I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Sure. I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror Eating pasta, primavera, feeding caca, be together People never know the wild shit we might say Grew up on Eddie Murphy, Jerky Boys, and Dice Play. I've been waking up nights, screaming Brooklyn Blast podcast Mama took my porn mags, jerkins, and a soft rags Easy when we talk about Mr. Ferrari Cause we go way back when we used to play Atari Sparked weed, taking shots like the Fratelli's RV Doing donuts in the parking lot at Arby's Car keys, now you can't leave, lock the door Please, Jimmy's on a mission. Time to start the intervention. Let's go. And we're fucking rolling. We're over here awesome. now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Episode 209 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace with my man, fucking Cody Mack. Long time, Hello. fucking lo- long overdue. How are you, my man? I'm good. Cannot complain. Yeah. Life is you. good, you know? Yeah, man. It's a. Uh, you know, under these uncertain times, you know, I'm fucking chilling. I'm yes. not saying I'm not, I'm not, you know, you know, saying anything derogatory about people who have suffered or whatever, like not at all, but I'm chilling, man. Like, thank God I've still, you know, I continued to work and this and that. And thank God no one's gotten sick. And it seems like things are so slowly going back to normal, whatever that might even be yeah. soon. So yeah, I mean, I think our our two states, New York and California, probably are the most locked down. And in the last like couple of weeks, I've it's kind of seems like it's going over that hill a little bit where yeah. things are gonna, you know, kind of like I I've been telling people I think by the end of summer we'll get kind of back to like a more you know people at baseball games when football comes back and you know indoor shit like that so yeah i hope so man because i mean well before we get any further i just have to say if if, if people don't know who cody mack is cody mack is the the manager of the shamrock social club legendary tattoo shop in west hollywood right yes west hollywood yep. on the sunset yep. uh, is it's uh what is it the west sunset boulevard in west hollywood yeah it's it's basically right across it's pretty much across street from like where the roxy and the rainbow room is so it's in the heart of it's like across street was is now one oak but it used to be gazaris and then it was billboard live and then it was the key club so that's like right where we're at gazaris we can get into that yeah. stuff because i know you're a fan <laughs> of the hand metal bro and yeah. gazaris was in decline of western civilization part two a lot oh yeah it was yeah. I, I mean i was in i was like in high school and we used to like that was a thing we would Saturday night, we would drive out there and you'd have to park like a mile away because there was no parking. And even if you drove back in the, like in it, when I say it's a stretch from like Doheny to like Larrabee, which you might not know, but it's not that big. Like I, I can walk. Yeah. So when I'm at work, I can legitimately walk that in 15 minutes, but it used to take you 45 minutes to just drive that because that's so packed during like the hair metal era yeah. and like just flyers everywhere, people ever. It was, it, it, for a high school kid, it was so cool to see. <laughs> I'm sure that was fucking awesome, dude. Because it yeah. being an East Coast kid, like I grew up listening and knowing all about that shit and watching that documentary and just all a million other documentaries about that. Having fucking Ricky Rackman on here and shit like yeah. it's fucking weird. And I always thought that that shit was crazy. It's it's just like very 
it's 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 filthy. It's just like a whole complete shit show. And I'm a big fan of a shit show. So yeah. that whole <laughs> that, you know, I'm a big fan. You know, show me a shit show. I'm all about it. I'm there. You know, but um, fellow gimmick ganger, and um, yeah. you have um, I, I know some of it, and of course we we have to get into some of it. Not necessarily right now. Just for the kids who are listening, um, you have um, I find it to be a fascinating backstory with your dad, especially, I mean, speaking of music, this is going to be very music oriented because I grew up, you know, I mean, me and you are probably around the same age. I'm 45. Yeah. I turned 47 this year. So yeah. Yeah. So we're the same thing. So your dad is probably the same age as my dad was. So it's the same generational thing as far as the music and I grew up listening to Fleetwood Mac in the house constantly and, and all of that stuff from Joe Cocker to Fleetwood Mac to even like Neil Diamond, the Jewish Elvis Presley was constantly, you know, in in the house queen and all that stuff. So, so knowing what I do know about your dad, I find that to be fascinating on, on a level where it's just, really cool and nostalgic for an outsider looking in and it being also kind of like a very much more simpler, fun, cool time frame. Yes. That whole and, thing. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know oh, if I'm yeah. giving it justice, but like I have a strong appreciation for all that said, yeah, you know, there's, there's the hip hop and the hardcore and the death yeah. metal. And of course, yeah, but but I have no fucking shame saying that I'll fucking put on a fucking Billy Joel song and shake my ass. Right. I have no area with that. I don't care. The funniest thing was, you know, growing up, I didn't really like, you know, my, you know, my first memories with my dad were on tour. So, I mean, like I was born when he was touring with Seals and Croft. So I was you know, one years old, I was on that tour. It, I turned one or I turned two in Hawaii with Loggins and Messina. Like, so in my was opinion, he, was he a tour manager? What, what, what yeah, tour mean? manager, stage manager, kind of like towards the end of his career was he would like for Lindsey Buckingham solo in like the late nineties, he was doing uh like guitar tech, but yeah, for the, for his main chunk, it was stage road manager for Fleetwood. It was all, it was like band assistant stuff. Like, getting the rental cars, getting the hotels, making sure Stevie's wardrobe was there, making sure that he was kind of in charge of the background singers. Like, like when he was getting a little older and he didn't want to tour manage anymore, but he was, you know, he was, he, he's in the, he was the first production guy ever put in the Minnesota rock and country hall of fame. So, wow. Um, yeah. It, I mean, his resume is like in growing up, like I just didn't realize. Cause it's like, Hey, I wasn't like, I, I, those bands were great when I was on tour with them, but when I got to like be my own age, like where I could pick my own music, I was like, Oh, those are lame. I'm listening to Molly crew now. And of rap. course, of, of course. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And then now that I'm my age, I go back to it and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like he was with everybody. And even like one of the last shows me and him went together, I was like 22 or 23. And, he was living back in Minnesota and I went to go visit him during the summer. He was like, Hey, let's go to the Minnesota state fair. And we go there. 
Boston, Boston happened to be playing and my dad toured with Boston. So like, we got to like chill with them and those guys hadn't seen me since, I guess I was like four or five, but I didn't remember. And yeah, you know, like it's, so it's, it's a lot of that. And I still talk to like, there's like a few people on my Facebook, like my dad's old, some old roadies that he toured with in those era that tell me stories. I, I talked to Liberty DeVito, the drummer for Billy Joel a lot on you know, Facebook and Tris, who is Kenny Loggins and then went to Chicago, their drummer. Wow. When I was on tour, I, I tended to always hang out with the drummers, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, so now I, I, I'm going to put this out there, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Stevie Nicks is kind of like your godmother? Yeah, I mean, like, in a, yeah, like, basically, that growing up, my dad that's would always tell me heavy that, as fuck. <laughs> right. Like that's heavy shit right there, bro. Right. And it's funny. Cause it's like growing up, my dad always told me that like when I was way older, my mom's like, she's not like you're her. My mom's sister really was, but my, my dad's mind. He wasn't my dad's best friend is Stevie's brother, Chris. And when my dad passed away, that's who he was living with in Arizona. He was staying at Stevie's and his house kind of go back and forth. And, uh, but yeah, like she, I, you know, I would see her, obviously I grew up with her. And then after like 10 or 11, when my mom was like, yeah, you're getting a little too old to go on these tours. Cause you know, they were getting a little too crazy. Things, and, things uh, happen on those tours. And I'm yeah, sure exactly. a lot of things happen, bro. Sick. Right. And, and my mom knows my mom moved out here from Chicago with the band Chicago, like Terry calf was her best friend. So my mom was in the mix along with my dad. That's how they kind of met. So I was, you know, like, but I ran into Stevie when I was working at Warner Brothers and it was, the, and I saw her at the Greek one night and it's the same thing. She would cry when she saw me, tell everyone she changed my diaper. Tell every, you know what I mean? It was one of those things. <laughs> those embarrassing things, of course. Yeah. Well, she has yeah. to do that. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, it was cool. It, it was good. You know, like now it's like all I listen, you know, like I'm either listening to like 90s hip hop or like new Jedi mind tricks or Vinny stuff, or I listen to Yacht Rock, like my dad's music. I'm listening to Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald and all those bands, you know? Yeah, listen, I'm not mad at that, bro. I, I'm right. not mad at that shit at all, dude. I have very weird tastes like that, too. Everyone thinks, oh, you know, hardcore and, and rap. No, nah, I listen to all kinds of shit, man. Right. I'm not that one that one track, one thing. It gets boring after a while, bro. You right. can't listen to the same shit all the time. And now half the time I'm listening to, like, yeah, of course. It's like the there's like fifty albums that I listen to, for the most part, for right. the for the last thirty years. I listen to the same fifty records. You know what I mean? Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, pretty much, dude. Like, yeah, a lot of things now. I feel like I heard it all a million times before, and a lot of cookie cutter shit and whatever. But I mean, it's it's funny because you you you're like you're everywhere. Like as far as, as far as like your musical taste and where yeah. you've been and what you've done. And I, I get it. And it's, it's kind of cool. Cause it's, it's a little bit rare, I think, or at least it may, might not be so rare, but knowing somebody, I don't know. So it's like, you come from like that whole background stuff to, all right, then like you, you'll be on tour with like nonfiction and you know, yeah. like all the house of pain guys and bill and Vinny and, and all those guys. But then again, you're also, you know, you're in Cali and you work at, at an iconic fucking tattoo studio where you have insane amount of people coming in and out. Legends, bro. You yeah. know? And so it's like, when did you find yourself, like, you grew up where? Like, were you were born where? I was, well, I was born at, like, 
the UCLA, UCLA Medical Center. I lived in like Venice when I was like a little kid. Like I don't claim Venice. I, I moved out when I was like two, three years, you know, first, so you're almost Cali born and raised. Oh yeah. And then okay. I've been in the, I've been in the San Fernando Valley, like Sherman Oaks, Van Nuys. That's where I, that's where I say I grew up. Like gotcha. I was out there and then, uh, you know, now I'm still in the San Fernando Valley in Burbank area. So it's like, it's the house I, I consider myself that I grew up in. I've never lived more than 10 miles away from that house. Oh, okay. Since, I wasn't yeah. sure if you were Cali born and raised because yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm an idiot, bro. I'm thinking, you know, my mind goes in stupid places. I'm like, all right, McCarthy, he's Irish. I don't know. He knows the Lakota guys and House of Pain, Danny Boy, Irish. Maybe he has roots in Boston. I don't fucking know because I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? Well, no, because me and Danny became friends. Like, Danny was out here already. He was in Sherman Oaks, too. Like, right. It was that, you know, it was like I met him right after the first record came, the first House of Pain record came out. And then gotcha. throughout the years, we became super close. And then he ended up living with me and all that. We were like, you know, hung every day. And then I got married and didn't hang as much because of kids. And, you know, and then of course. And now he's in Tulsa killing it with the Outsiders House. But yeah, and then oh, but, like, all that. But yeah. like, that's how I, that's just how it was. Like it was, yeah, born, born and raised out here, you know, worked at Warner brothers, the television part, the studios, and then was there for like 11, 12 years and then quit there and then worked with, you know, toured with bill. I was going to tour with caves, um, for a warp tour. And then I think the Andrew ended up doing the tour who's, you know, you know, Andrew, his youngest yeah. brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Andrew was going to do the merch. And then, so I, I helped, you know, fell back and just hung out with them on all the LA shows. And then the next year, Bill, you know, me and Bill were talking and he was like, let's go. And so we, we did a couple of tours together. So that was oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, Andrew is, he's, uh, I guess the, I, I would say the, the president of the Lords of Brooklyn social club. There's an right, Instagram yeah. page. Yeah. He was, uh, he was in, he was on the podcast with a bunch of the LOB social club guys right. a while back. I got to yeah, do a so I've known, with those guys. I've known Andrew since he was, I think when he was on that tour, he, I, I feel like he was like 14 or 15. I'd have to ask him again, but probably he was, mad, he was like mad young and it was so fun. And I remember like caves for his birthday was like, Hey, don't tell anyone. But in Kevin Lyman's bus, he had like a little tiny, one of those little motorcycles for him. And like, it was like, it was just so cool to, to see, you know, caves and Adam and Andrew all together on that tour. So it was, it was, and that made me really like, you know, follow my dad's footsteps and made me really want to like try it out. And so Bill gave me the opportunity and, you know, we did a hieroglyphics us and OC and boom back project tour. And then we did a co-headlining with Jedi mind tricks. And that's how I became really close with Vinny and his circle. So it just all kind of like, yeah, it all trickles down, you know, I got it. See now, now I understand. So, so what got you into fucking loving rats so much? That's like an ongoing thing that I always bring up. Yeah. Could you call the, like, I don't know, you wrote into the guys at the Broadway yeah. breakdown and like, right. And, and the OG Gavin is like, it's like Cody, like, why do you like it? So it makes yeah. me laugh every time I think about it. It's like, why do you like bad things? It's, just, it's, what, I, it's what I do. It's what I do. But for me, it makes me laugh the, every time I think about that. The rat thing. Like if you would ask me back in the, in my high school, you know, my, my, you know, ninth, 10th and 11th grade, when I was really into it, Rat was one of my favorites, but I always said Molly Crew is my favorite. But yeah, when I go back now as an adult and I go back and listen to that, because some of that shit really is, it's like really fucking cheesy. And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I really listened to this. Of course but, it is. <laughs> but I'll be honest, man, like 
like rats one of those bands to me that still holds up and maybe because i didn't like molly crew got overplayed for me growing up like that's that's was my number one band that i listened to and then same you know, here I'll, I'll be honest with i saw them i've seen them live a couple of times and musically they're great but man like no offense if whoever knows them but Vince Neil just can't fucking sing live. No, man. like it's no, it's horrible. not at and all, dude. So it made me kind of be like, oh man, like that kind of sucks. So then I saw Rat live, like later in life. I'm talking, I saw Rat when I was working at Shamrock. They did a thing at the Key Club, and they fucking killed it. Like I was like, now this is what I'm talking about. So yeah, kind of got back. <laughs> That's what I'm rat. talking about, Rat at the Key and Club. So, yeah. So if I'm if I'm in the if I'm driving and I'm deciding to listen to some hair metal, not hip hop or fucking yacht rock type shit. I usually will put on like rat or fucking Tesla, you know, more of the, the kind of blue black crows, like bluesy rock, like no Tesla fucking know. rules, bro. Oh, I love Tesla. Great radio like, controversy is an incredible record yeah. from front to back. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just, I just got into that, that like, I think I was searching, I was like, you know, 12 years old or whenever Molly, whenever shout of the devil came out, I remember seeing the album cover, maybe SWAT seeing the video on MTV and it blew my mind. Cause I never seen anything like it. Same here, that, dude. You know, that age where you want to break free from listening to like fucking the pop radio that your mom listens to in the car. You want to break free from your mom's music. Like, yeah, you know, my house was Chicago and all my dad's bands and fucking Sanford and Townsend and Seals and Toto and all these great bands. But at that moment in my life, they were my mom and dad's bands. Oh, I needed God. something of my own. And that I remember just seeing it and it blew my mind. And then I went and bought the bought the cassette tape and I was like, that's it. This is where I'm at. And then, you know, had bangers ball every, every fucking Friday night or Saturday, whatever night it was, listen yeah. to that and we're fucking have my VCR ready and record the video. Same here, <laughs> dude. Saturday night, midnight to 3 a.m. Yeah, exactly. Fucking so, great times, dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I told the story a million times, but, but shout out the devil changed my whole shit, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was, I, I mean, it was, it came out like a, a year or so before I found it, but it was in like 1984, I think when I discovered it, I was like eight and my babysitter who didn't even babysit me, she used to smoke pot <laughs> and like, it was, it was just a shit show. It's, we're talking 1984. It was the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. It's 84. It's like, oh yeah. It's like my father would give her like $10 for like the whole day like to watch me and she'd be like, I lived in Rockaway at the time. She'd be on the boardwalk with her friend smoking pot. I'd be down on the beach blocks away, whatever. <laughs> but she had, but she had the, the vinyl, the Molly Crew shout of the devil. And as like an eight year old, I never seen anything like that before. There's no internet. There's no nothing. So I looked at that. She fucking melted my brain, dude. Pentagram fire. Like it was dark. It was crazy. It was like my generation, like people jock kiss. I don't get it, but right. it's just not my thing. But that's like my version of Kiss and switched up my whole shit. That and Twisted Sister Stay Hungry. Oh, yeah. You know? Right. But yeah, definitely. Like, Shadow Devils, I, there's like, I always say there's, there's, a, there's a handful of records that, there's really three records to me that like changed my kind of musical tastes of my own. Right. And Shadow Devil was the first one for me. Like, me that was it, you know? So, yeah. For sure. So. It almost it almost sounded like you were doing something wrong. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, there was a little spot. I lived in, at the time. I lived in Sherman Oaks so on Ventura Boulevard. There was a, a, a little spot that sold like heavy metal things. I, I and I would go in there when I was a little kid. You know, you're like nine. My my elementary school is right up the street. This was I was a latchkey kid. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. was the era my mom was working. So I was on my own. Like 
I could mm-hmm. now as a, a parent myself, I'm like, dude, I would never let my kids walk these streets like this. But I was just same here, like, dude. Same Saturday exact morning, situation. Yeah, out. Like Saturday morning, you'd watch the cartoons. As soon as there was a real life TV show, you were like, I'm fucking out. And then yeah. you walk out, no phone, no nothing. But I would go to these stores and I remember there was it's I don't know if it was out, it hit New York, but in LA, there was like a the the hat, they're called painter hats, you know, like the, the painter hats and then had the flaps on the back. Yeah, like that, fuck yeah, so dude. <laughs> they were huge for like that that early 80s, but I remember there was a Motley Crue one and it said Motley Crue on the front and then on the back flaps, it was two pentagrams. That's And I just heavy. remember being like, oh, my mom's going to be so mad if I come home with this. And I bought it with my allowance because I thought it was so, like, I thought I was so edgy. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, look at me. And walking through, and I, you know, I remember walking home is like a, you know, half a mile to walk home. And I remember walking home thinking, yeah, everyone's going to look at me and see that I'm like scary. Oh, and, you know? is. I'm scary. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I weigh like eight, 85 pounds. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome though, dude. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of the same shit, like buying shit with my allowance and being like, yeah. yo, like, you know, buying like King Diamond, them. I bought that shit on cassette and I put it in and, it starts out and he's talking in this crazy voice about you. He's imitating his grandmother. It just sounds like you're doing something wrong. You know right, what I mean? I was yeah. in my room with my little boom box. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know about edgy. you, but I didn't have a TV in my room until I was 18. I just had a boom box. So that's all I did was listen to music. Like, yeah, like I, I, it was had just one yeah, I had a TV, but it was, it was like the real, it was like the throwaway TV. It was like the, right. the it was like the, it was like the 12 inch black and white, dude. Yeah. The it's one like, that your parents the, got rid of that. Was, we don't want to throw it away. We'll just leave it to him. Yeah. You leave it to me. A 12 inch black and white fucking shitty TV with the big knobs. Yeah, right. dude. Fucking funny. Yeah. Same shit. Same age. Same kind of shit. It's fucking great. So now. Did you, did you start a podcast? You did start a podcast, didn't you? No, I'm just, I was. Oh, I, you were my, going to? I've, I've, like, I've had discussions. Like, I've legitimately, it's something I've kind of wanted to do, but I just haven't really, like, put it together. I've been on a cut, like, my, our, um, my buddy Ryan, who has a podcast, No One Likes Us. I've been a guest on his a couple times. Um, but that's it. And uh, I think. I might do Toby's at some point soon. Okay, um, cool. But uh, yeah, I've, 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 my thing is this, like, I really want to do it. But to me, it's one of those things, like, I, I just would have to focus myself more. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, dude, I just want to talk about fucking sports. And then it's like music and then no movies. And, and it just, I got to figure out the smorgasbord of how to make it happen for myself. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean, that that's how, because for some reason, for some reason, like I said, like, I, I, I thought, I don't know, maybe I just dreamt this nonsense up, but I know that you have um, an Instagram page for your dad, which is TPM underscore tour stories. Yes. So for some reason, I thought that maybe because it's tour stories or something, I dreamt it up in my head that you were going to do something along those lines with a podcast. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, I have stories for sure. I have good stories, but yeah, no no podcast stories for that. I mean, I, I, you know, would talk about them all day long on a podcast, but yeah, that podcast wouldn't last very long. Cause you know, I was still only, you know, from one till like my, the last tour I did with my dad was I was 12 and it was Don Henley, you know? So it was like, yeah. And so it's like, my stories are, you know, they're, they're funny and they're, they're crazy, but for me, but they're not like, 
you know, I had certain jobs at every tour. Like I had a certain right, job. Right, throw some, throw it, see, now you have my interest here. Throw some of these out at us there, Cody Mack. So like, so with Fleetwood, <clears throat> I remember when I would jump on the tours, like it would just be whenever my school would let out, my mom would have, you know, it was like summer vacation. So I'd have six weeks. So my mom would have me for a week and then she'd fly me out. I'd fly wherever my dad was. And that was the era where you could just fly by yourself. You know what I mean? You just yeah, go. dude. Oh, but it's um, unheard of now. Yeah, unheard of. But yeah, I would just go and then um, I would join the tour. But with Fleetwood, I didn't, because re- you have to understand something growing up. Like, I didn't realize bands didn't play stadiums till I was in high school. And like, so the, my homies was starting a band and he was like, I'm playing at the Cobalt Cafe in Van Nuys. And I like went there and I was like, yo man, there's like fucking 300 people here. Like what, or not even, there was like 50 people here. And I was like, but it holds like 300. Like it's so small. And I was like, what? Because every concert I ever went to was a fucking stadium. Like, so I, and growing up when you're doing something as a little kid, you don't realize that it's special. You just think that like, and if you asked me back then, I thought every kid I knew during the summer went on tour with a band. Like, I just thought that's just kind of what, because I was doing it. But I didn't know I was the only kid on these tours. So I just was, it was kind of, I, I, I must've been dumb as shit. Cause I just didn't realize how cool it was. <laughs> but for, for Fleetwood, my, as soon as I joined the tour, my dad would get so happy. And partly was cause he would be like, all right, look, your job is to go knock on their doors and bring them to stage. And I always was the kid with the flashlight going up the steps in the dark to like, get them all up on the stage. Every tour I ever did, that was like my one job. That's like, I remember this year he was like, you got to go knock on their door and get them out. So I would start at the, the furthest away from the stage and I'd work my way to the stage, but I was like six years old. So I don't care who, who's in, but on that other side of the door, if it's Stevie or Mick or fucking Lindsay, like those are just my uncles and aunts. I have to listen to my dad. My dad's in charge. My dad's my, my dad. Right. So I knock on the door and whoever was the first, and this was the era where they weren't talking. They showed up in fucking five different cars, five different, you know, whatever. Like Fleetwood so, Mac weren't talking? Not really. You know, they talk on stage, but they weren't, you know, there was that, it was the era where they, right when, before they broke up, basically, okay. you know. And so none of them, my dad would always, he told me later, like, that it was just a pain in the ass to get them on stage because everyone would be like, well, who's out there yet? Like, no one wanted to be the first one waiting. But when you're six years old and you're knocking on the door and you're like, you have to come out and they're like, oh, we'll be out there in a minute. I would stand in front of their door. I wouldn't even go to the next one until I grabbed with that one. Cause that was what my job is that my dad told me. So I would pull them all out and you could see that they were all like, Oh my God. But my dad said that when, when they found out I was on the tour, everyone at the beginning of the tour wanted the dressing room farthest away from the stage. Cause that's the dressing room no one would go to because everyone congratulated, you know, right out of the stage. Right. But when I joined the tour, they would all fight for the one in front of the stage. Cause then I'd be, that, they'd be the last person I would, asked to come out right and and so it was like and they would always tell me like we can never yell you know when i saw stevie later in life she was like yeah i used to hate that because like i couldn't yell at you i couldn't tell you no right i figured that but that's that was brilliant that your father did that yeah so he used to send (laughs) so he told me like stevie used to send her assistant to the venue like hours early to stake claim on the on the dressing room for anybody (laughs) no shit yeah so that was basically your job on these tours. So, yeah. Like, and I used to like, I remember when uh, we were, I was a little older for like Kenny and for Billy, but Billy with Billy, 
my job was a lot to like, I'd run wires to the lighting guy, like the front of house guys. And uh, so that all the, you know, I was just doing that. Billy who, Squire. Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, so just, uh, just, just also so the sure. people that are listening. Yeah. yeah. So my dad never worked for Billy Squire, Billy Joel. But yeah, I would, okay. you know, I'd, I'd put all the cables around me and I'd run up to the, you know, and have to climb up this little truss where the fucking spotlights were and Sick. give them their wires and their sound guy that was in the middle of the, you know, yeah, I remember being in Comiskey Park and doing that. And like, they were starting to let people in and, my dad said it was so funny. Like whenever I would walk out, there'd be more and more people. And you know, I'm, I'm looking six, seven, eight years old, little blonde bowl cut. And I have like a fucking tour laminate on me and I'm tearing wires and it must look crazy to these people at the concert, but I started oh, yeah. getting, like, it's a crazy started image clapping. I had in my head. Yeah. So people started clapping every time I'd walk out and I fucking loved it. So I would like walk out, like do little dances and shit. And like the crowd would be like going crazy. And my, yeah, my dad had stories like, and, his, my dad's favorite story when he was alive, he would tell everybody. I remember he told Bill that it was I was eight years old. We were doing Billy Joel, and my dad's somewhere, and he gets a call on the walkie-talkie from the production manager, and he's like, "Hey, Tim," and the guy's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Hey, your son's back here trying to get three fifteen-year-old girls backstage. What do I do?" <laughs> <laughs> and my dad's like, "Fuck, let him through, man." <laughs> That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh shit! But it was good, you know. Like I remember being kid, you know. Like we were with Kenny Loggins, and you know the LA shows, especially. Like I remember meeting Fonzie, like Henry Winkler, and the, like oh shit, he and I loved Happy Days, and he was the nicest human being in the history of the world. And I remember just sitting there talking with him, and I met all the people from Facts of Life, and like no blowing my these are these are people that I watched, but. It, it was a weird thing because I was important to them because I was work. I was kind of working. Like they were fascinated by me being six and seven with tour laminates around me and have, like sweating and, and, you know, roadies calling me over and being like, Hey, can you run this, you know, to this, or, Hey, can you go get Kenny? Can you get, you know, George or Tris or whoever, a band member. And I, so I was like always running around like, and these adults were like tripping that I was like, I had one of these these venues, like yeah. Being a little but it also kid. it also seemed like at that such a young age, you had you had crazy like responsibility, and you had your shit together. Yeah, like, I guess. Yeah, you're running around <laughs> sweating and fucking getting all these maniacs yeah. together, and you know, my dad was one of those dudes. Like, I he he would tell story too because you know the wardrobe trust. We you know with the, with the four wheels, I'd I'd always want to wheel them. And my dad once said, "Was like, don't the shit's empty and it's heavy." And it's going to fucking fall on you. And I was like, I got it. And I tried to pull it up a ramp and didn't have the strength. And it fucking fell on me and fucking bam, I hit the ground in this fucking cabinet. It's empty, but it's laying on me. And I started screaming and crying. And my dad straight looked at me and told everyone, don't help him up. He fucking decided to do that on his own. He'll figure out how to get out. And I sat there probably for 20 minutes trying to wiggle myself out. And I finally did. And I remember being so mad at my dad. But then when I went up to like to talk to him about it, he was like, look, I told you once to not do it. This is a dangerous place. You decide not to listen. You have to deal with those consequences. So I learned really quickly that as much as fun as I was in a young, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a playground. It was, there was, cause there was, you know, like it was a whole road crew there and they had to run around me and like, and everyone, you know, from what I can gather, I talking to some of these old fools that my dad still knows, you know, that do, um, they all loved it when I was on tour. There was because, I was the only kid and 
some of them have even admitted like, wow, once we saw you out there, we realized we wanted kids or could have kids while we were doing the roadie life because yeah. you were so good. So, you know, that's awesome. And, and what a fucking life lesson. Nowadays, that would be like, oh, bad parenting. That's fucking awesome. That's awesome that your father did that. It taught yeah. you a fucking valuable lesson that you'll never fucking forget. Because you know what? Consequences to shit. Right. Because on tour, I never did that ever again. Ever. Right. I. I always helped people, but I never did anything on my own with something heavy. Yeah. And he told you you something for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that reason. He wasn't bullshitting (laughs) you. That's awesome. Good on him. Sorry you got hurt a little bit, but you figured your way out. I don't even remember the pain. I just remember the life lesson. So that's what I take from it. There you go. Job well done. (laughs) Exactly. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Mr. McCarthy. Awesome. Yeah, he was like so. When I jumped on the house of, uh, when I jumped on the uh, nonfiction tour, I'm, I mean, I don't think my dad's ever been more proud of me in his life. <laughs> really? Yeah, he was like, "Oh my God, you're following my footsteps," and I was like, "Well, kind of. I mean, we're not doing stadiums, but it, it was still it's like, a completely just, different animal of, of right, people, but, but it's the he, same we, job." Yeah, we did a show at First Avenue in Minnesota, so my dad was there, and he brought, you know, like my pseudo uncles that are in that band gypsy that he tour managed that were still around. And so some of them came out and I mean, my dad hung out at the merch table. He sat backstage with, and I mean, he sat outside with OC and they had a full blown conversation about like just tour life and like, and like how awesome my dad thinks it was that I was touring. And then we had a day off and me and the nonfiction guys spent the day at the mall of America with my dad, just fucking, shooting the shit like and my dad fucking loved bill bill and eclipse and sabak and gore like he to the day he died he'd always every time i talked to him he's like oh how's bill how's how's sabak like he and he loved when someone had a cool rap name like he'd always be like oh what's what's up with eclipse like i'd be like oh you know i'm like dad you could call him eric if you want no 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 that's eclipse (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah oh man yeah all of them great fucking guys man I have no, nothing bad to say about any of them guys. Right. Any yeah. interaction or anything that I've ever had with any of those guys have always been a fucking, a, a, you know, like a pleasure, dude. You know, having yeah. them on, bullshitting them, you know, in person. You know, Bill was like the fucking, he's like the most listened to episode ever. Like I was sitting yeah. in the house for like two and a half hours and just shooting the shit. Like, I didn't even realize I was recording after a while, you know? Yeah. He- He's the best. Like he, that, that was a fun tour. Like, you know, he, he made, he looked out for me, Tim and Eclipse both like really looked out for me and yeah. made sure that I, you know, cause I was, I was doing it brand new. Like I never did merch before. So they were very, you know, it all worked out. It was great. We had a good, fucking good times. And some of my best memories were, were out with them. Yeah. What tour was that? That was, uh, was that the hieroglyphic? No, it was way before it was before they broke up. Like, Oh, was, okay. Oh, okay. It was, it was the high row tour. It was before Bill like put out more of his solo stuff. It was like, it was high oh, row shit. OC us and boom bat project. And then we did fucking, we did a, the whole, basically the whole summer. I feel like we were out, like we hit almost every state. It was crazy. And then, uh, got home from that. And then like a couple months later, Bill called me again and was like, it was just a, and then a three week co-headlining spot with Jedi. Like I think it was, you know, yeah. Midwest and east coast like i don't even know if we hit i don't remember if we hit the west i think we went to arizona and that's as far as we came west but sick yeah it was fun yeah you jumped out you, i mean you you toured with house of pain no never did i mean no? did, you know like i'd go to all the you know when they when they did their 
No, because I was too young. I was working at Warner Brothers. And then by the time I was like, I felt like I would have thought about doing it. They house painted broke up. It was like right when their third record came out. And then, and then like I was with Danny when Danny did the, you know, he would, he did like this crew real quick called the Phantoms that didn't really do anything. Then he had a group called ATF again. And then he did X supermodels and uh, we did all that. And then he was kind of, he basically was managing and put together that group, the knockouts, which was slain big left and opto with lethal. And that's right when I kind of was leaving Warner Brothers. So I was like, kind of, Danny was like, hey man, you just got to make, like I'd pick up Slane from the airport and I'd like make sure everyone was at the, at the um, studio on time and, or, you know, try to keep all these guys alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially at that time. At that time yeah. frame, forget it. And you know what? You bring up the knockouts. A lot of people aren't hip to the knockouts, bro. It's that, that record was to this day, like, you know, I, you know, me and Left talk a lot and I, talk to opto i speak to left often too left is yeah. a fucking great dude man and uh, that record funny was, as shit. was was it was awesome like it was definitely like i'm that was one of those records i'm very sad that never really saw the light of day and i still think you know like we were kind of when lefty was on alive we had kind of lethal jumped on and opto jumped on and i was on there and we were all kind of t- talking in the comments and he let everyone join and then uh you know kind of like everyone kind of i had a couple songs um opto found a bunch of songs and you know lethal was like send them over let's see and i i'm you know i just hope at some point someone puts it you know someone puts it out even if it's just fucking some soundcloud shit because it's some really good shit i know and it's like someone has it who has it you have it you have it. i have like i have a cd copy of not even a cd copy anymore it's like stuck on an old ipad ipod that i don't even know how to get off of it so uh-huh. I have a bunch of songs there but I know Opto has a bunch and I think Lethal has it now because I think I'm pretty sure Opto sent it to Lethal from what I remember. So fucking Lethal yeah. fucking put that shit out, even like on his own little label or whatever. Just, yeah. I mean, so, why not? But, and, but through that, that's kind of where Lakoka came from was, was those kind of, the end of those sessions kind of turned into what, you know, Lakoka became. So uh, one of the greatest ever, man. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Hopefully this, I mean, you know, Dan, I mean, it's, it's nothing, you know, it's not, you know, breaking news, but Danny a while back put up on his Instagram, that little, that fat beats contract. And he even said, yeah. you know, Coca coming out in 2021. So, yep. you know, I just had, I just had Slane up. Well, we're on podcast time now. So, right. Slane, so Slane dropped, I don't know, two weeks ago, really on podcast on this coming Friday, I'm dropping Slane. But um, he mentioned, he's like, yeah, we're working on it, working on it. He didn't tell me too much, but, you know. Well, the good thing was, like, when that, when that first thing, when they first did it, it's, it was different. It was still, like, I feel like that was the last record. I think, like, I feel like one of the last records of music where, like, everyone kind of got together. Like, Bill flew out. Slane flew out. Lefty drove up. They were staying at fucking Lethal's house. They were at the studio every day. I would go whenever I wasn't working. I was there. Like, so I watched the whole thing get recorded, but everyone was in the room. And then it became a lot easier with technology to be able to send things out. So it's like, it's just so crazy how like that record was like, to me, the last hurrah of what records kind of used to be where you had to be in the room, you know? And then, and now it's like, I think even big bands, like, like I doubt the Foo Fighters record together. They could fucking be in different cities, different states. And I think sure. they could just record and make it all sound good. Where, you know, even, I mean, I remember growing up and I'd go to the studio with, you know, my dad, when he was working with bands to like 
do things. And, you know, and that was crazy because I had the reels. You know, I have a, in my garage, I have a reel of Kenny Loggins that I don't even know what's on it because I have no idea what the fuck, how to play it. I got to bring it to you, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you know, the reels. And I remember the first time I was in the studio with D- Danny and Lethal, watching it all done on Pro Tools, I was amazed. I was like, well, I never knew you could do this. Like, wow. Yeah. So just the technology in itself, what has happened with music is so crazy. So that's the one good thing, like, where I do think the the Lacoco record could come out way sooner than it would have. Because think about it, if they were if they had to be in the same room together, it just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen, for, you know, especially this li- whole year is fucking right. Shot. Like they're not traveling, and especially Bill being in New York, like he ain't. You know, like they have New York on lockdown. He probably couldn't even leave if he wanted to. You know, and then right. You know, so it's like. So it's cool that it, that it's doable now for them to like, you know, Slane to be in Boston, Phil to be in New York, Danny to be out here and, you know, them to get beats and just do it like that if they wanted to, or they can get to, you know, the good thing is you could still get together and do it if you want, but it's just crazy how, how the recording process, you know, and me not being anything to do with recording. Like I just sit right. back and watch, but how crazy. I yeah, but the, that, that, That's a cool place to be though. You know, it's a cool place right. to be like yeah. a fly on the wall, just watching it all go down. I mean, some of my, yeah, like some of the best combos I've had and funniest times were in the studio with fucking, you know, with Lacoca or in the studio with when the knockouts was there. <clears throat> and one of my, one of my all time favorite memories is my, I became really good friends with Steve Luke their son, Trev. Okay. Um, so I was, there was like a good, but right before I met my wife, so there was a two year period where I was like with them every day and I'd like, Dude, I did Thanksgiving and, you know, I'm sitting at Steve Lukather's house, listening to fucking, you know, having Thanksgiving dinner. It was like the coolest thing ever. And his family's great. And Trevor was like one of my best friends and hung out. And Toto was doing a new record. And I, Trevor was like, hey, let's go fucking check it out. And I talked to Steve because Steve knew my dad because, you know, he had done some stuff with Toto. And my dad was like, you know, all those bands of that era, I think, knew who my dad was. He was pretty much, he was pretty well known in that, in the industry. Sure. I mean, and, how, um, long, how long was he, how long was he doing what he was doing, your dad? I mean, God, decades, I'd say, dude. yes. I mean, started in the, I think started in the either late 60s, early 70s, really early 70s, late 60s. And he basically stopped in the, in the late 90s. Like, and then, and then he would still like in, when he moved to Minnesota, he was doing all local shows. So if you're, if Billy Joel came to town, he called, you know, someone called production, called my dad was like, do you want to do these shows? So, you know, there was always shows going on. So like there summer, my dad was basically working all summer, just like, but only for people he knew. So he'd do like Billy, if like any Fleetwood affiliated at the Eagles, because he knew all those guys, Doobie, you know, so he was Chicago. He went, did he, he worked at Doobie stuff. Brothers too, right? Yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah, so I, I was at the, um, I thought, I'll tell you, there's a, I'll circle back to a good story about the Doobies, but oh. I was um in the studio with Toto and, I'm just sitting on the couch and they're fucking jamming and, and I'm, I'm 30 years old. So I'm sitting at this thing and, and Steve goes, and this was, um, you know, rest in peace to Mike Picaro, their bass player, but it was a couple years before he died, but Mike's laying down his bass track and he comes out and Steve's like, Hey Mike, uh, I think, you know, Cody's dad. And Mike's like, Oh, who's your dad? And I'm like, Tim McCarthy and Mike Picaro, the gym, I'll never forget his face. And he put his bass down and he sat down and he like put his hands in his head and he looked at me, he goes, you're Cody McCarthy. And I was like, yeah, he goes, how old are you? I'm like 30. And he goes, I drove your dad to the airport the day you were born. We were 
on tour with, he was the bass player for Seals and Crofts and my dad was a tour manager and they were in like, he said he didn't remember where they were, but he fought like Ohio or Michigan. And he remembers there was a call at the hotel that my mom was going into labor. And Mike Picaro said that he was the only one that was sober or that they could find to drive my dad. So he basically knew of my existence before I even, like, he was like, I drove your dad to the hospital. Wow. And the fact that you're sitting here now at 30 years old is bugging me out. Like, yeah, <laughs> dude. Oh, that's great, uh, though, man. Yeah. That's some cool shit. Yeah. Wow. It, was, it was really cool. It, wow. it, it was like, and yeah, and then he was like telling me stories about, you know, he's like, oh, I don't want to tell you all the stories. because No, you, know, you can't know all the stories. <laughs> but I'm sure you have a pretty good idea of some stories. I'm oh, sure. yeah. So it was, it was good There was debauchery time. going on back then, uh, dude. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. So what's up with the Doobie? Another, another band that was in constant rotation in the background at my house. So my father, my biological father, had a, a really good size vinyl collection and he was a hippie dude. You know what I mean? Even so I remember him right. smoking pot and he had like his fucking long hair. And back then he saw it was like the, the end of like the bell bottom phase and he had the big sideburns, 70s shit, bro. Right. You know, so, so Doobie brothers was in heavy rotation in my house too. One of my favorites, whatever they come on, yeah. or, you know, classic rock station, whatever. Cause I'm not going to be fucking blasting fucking, you know, <laughs> the pain collector fucking Vinny record with my daughter in the car. I'm not doing that. So I put like the classic rock and the Doobie brothers would come on and she knows it too, because of me, whatever. So yeah, one of my favorites, you got to yeah. dirt on the Doobies, bro. Well, just a good story. Like with awesome. two really good ones, but one was, a, uh, you know, my mom had moved out here with the band Chicago. So she right. knew all those guys really well. And like when Terry Kath died, my mom was one of the first people at the house after he died, like when they called her, so I remember all that, but they were, I was, I was mad young. I was four and they were playing at the form. It was the doobies in Chicago, like a co-tour. And I, I remember that, you know, you got to remember this was the seventies. We had fucking, my mom smoked in the car. The windows rolled up. Right? No seatbelts. No yeah. Like it was a free for all. Of course. And so like, I'm not trying to put, you know, like, God rest my mom's soul. And she was the best mom ever. But like, yeah, I, she parked to go say hi to these guys. And I, I was either tired or didn't want to go in. And she's like, She's like, okay, I'll leave you in the car. Ended up, you know, she stayed a little longer than she expected. So when she comes out, like she basically was cooking me. Like it was, it was like, I was so hot and I was like drenched in sweat. So she freaked out, but you know, you had to like lift open the locks of the car, yes. the old school car. And I was, I, you know, dehydrated. I fucking couldn't, I just legitimately couldn't open it up. So she started freaking out, but the doobies, I remember they ran out and they fucking broke the window pulled me out. They got the EMTs to like, you know, make sure I was fine. And I was fine, but they paid for my mom to get her window redone. They had someone come do her. And we were at the show the whole night. So that, you know, like they, they fixed my mom's car all up and they like, they treated me like a King that day. It was the fucking, it was pretty cool. So my mom would always say, be like, Oh, the doobie saved your life. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then the, the crazy thing is, you know, one of my all time favorite songs and you know, a, a really one of the most popular songs and especially yacht rock is, what a fool believes. Yes. And, uh, you know, that was co-written by Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald. Like they wrote it together. Okay. And, um, I had posted a Michael McDonald laminate on my dad's page and my, I'm, I'm friends with a few of my dad's ex-girlfriends because my dad had it like that. So 
you know, a legend, um, bro. He's a legend. Yeah, exactly. He was a coxman for sure. <laughs> coxman. Those are things a coxman anymore, but yeah, hey, yeah. have that, uh, my man. <laughs> my uh, his ex girlfriend hit me up and was like, "Hey, you, your dad told you about that song, right?" And I was like, "No, what are you talking about?" And she's like, "He didn't tell you that what a fool believes is written about him and your mom." And I was like, "Wait, what?" And she goes, "Yeah." She's like your dad would sit there with Kenny talking to him about, Oh, I'm going to get her back. Like, dude, like I'm the best thing that ever happened to her. Like, of course she wants me. But at that time, my mom was hanging out with Kenny's first wife, Eva. But so my mom was telling her like, no, dude, I got my son out of it. Like he wants to be a fucking kid on tour. Basically. Like I'm not having it. Like I'm not, I'm never going back. Like I'm like, we're cool, but like, it's never going to happen. So Kenny was getting basically both sides of these stories. And then when he was writing the song, because what a fool believes is basically about a, a, this guy who's a fool thinks he believes, like he thinks he can get this girl back. And the girl's basically like, nah. So supposedly what this lady says is what, you know, am I, I can't ask my dad, obviously he's passed on, but she was like, no, like he, for a fact, like I, she said she's had it confirmed, like when she was with, it shows with my dad, but they were basically like, yeah, that song, like very inspired by the, the story of your mom and dad. <laughs> No fucking shit, man. Yeah, that shit blew my mind. I just found that out like six months ago. Really? It's so crazy listening to it now with thinking about it like that. It, it like, of course. So, weird. so yeah. No, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, man. The, the, so. the, me, the many layers of the Cody Mac. <laughs> yeah. Like that. <laughs> I'd be honest with you, my dad would love nothing more if he was still alive than to be like doing podcasts with all my friends. Like he would be here every day. Like I'm <laughs> sure he would. It seems like yeah. he would. Yeah. Oh man. Fucking hop right on and fucking chime into this shit. That would oh, be awesome. For, for sure. Like it one of you know, my wife gets embarrassed by it, but like at so we were at my we we just got married, or we were getting married and we were in Las Vegas, and so we had a bunch of people there and we had like a like a family dinner. So it was my wife's dad who lived in Texas. He's like a real, he's like a real, he's a, when you build a father out of clay, it's this guy, you know, the mustache tucked in polo shirt, very like, yes, sir. Like one of those great dude. Yeah. So it was him, but it's the first time I'm ever meeting him. So like he's meeting his son-in-law on basically the day before I'm going to marry his daughter. Cause they right. live in Texas. We never saw them. So it's, it's her dad, her stepmom and her half brother and half sister, Bill was there. My kind of like stepmom was there and um, a few of the family members and my dad's there too. So we're just, we're having these conversations and I'm kind of like, I can hear my dad kind of giggling and I'm kind of looking around and I like, see these things going by my head and we're this like big banquet table. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? And I look over and my father-in-law is talking and like this thing hits him in the face. And he just with like, he just does it, pulls it off his face and puts it down and doesn't like even stop talking. And I look over and it's my dad and he's fucking shooting spitballs at everybody. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> that is fucking amazing, dude. Yeah, because he was like sitting next to my my wife's brother, and at that time like, he was like mad young, and I think he like was getting a kick out of it. He was like twelve, and he was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And yeah, I'm forty five, like, and that's fucking awesome. 
<laughs> and if my dad had an audience that was like egging him on, it was on for him. He was like, fuck it. And it, it was the weirdest, but it was just the, so different of the two dads. It was so funny. Like, you know, it was, I was like, oh man. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. I like your dad, man. I definitely yeah. like that guy. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's fucking funny, man. That's going to make me laugh all night when I think yeah, about that. It, it was it was ridiculous. Like, he's also the same dude. Like, he was staying at our house, you know, and we're, uh, he's over and we, you know, we got some fast food. We're eating Carl's Jr. or something. And he goes, do you have any salt? And I was like, oh, dad, the, the fries are salted. Like, you're fine. And he was like, no, no, I'm going to put salt on the burger or something like that. And my, my wife looks at him and goes, uh, Tim, that's like, full of preservatives and my dad looked her dead in the eye straight face and was like yeah preservatives like preserves my organs it's perfectly fine <laughs> i was like no that's definitely not how that works it's definitely not <laughs> oh shit that's fucking good shit man yeah fuck yeah so just letting everyone know TPM underscore tour stories. There's a lot of laminates and pictures and shit. And I have a lot. It's cool because I look at them and I, I, I showed like my girl a couple of them. There's a few. What was the whole deal? Because I have pictures of me as a really little kid, probably around the same time frame. What's with all of us wearing like underwear? Yeah. <laughs> I, Why? Well, this is Why are we wearing white underwear running around outside? Like white trash, bro. I was all about it. Well, this is what I think. I, this is what I've come to realize now. Is I think partly A, they didn't want to do fucking laundry because they were fucking all lazy and partying. So yeah. the less laundry you had to do, I think it was when they had to change the diaper, it was probably, or, you know, or if it was just underwear, they probably just also, I don't think back in those days, I mean, I know how it is in New York in summer, but where we were at, it's fucking hot. And I don't think central air was really a thing back then. No. So I think it was just hot as fuck. So they were like, you're just in underwear and a t-shirt all day long. Like as yeah, long as dude. we're not out in public. But yeah, there's there's like, yeah, I mean, everyone of our age, like there's so many pictures of you just walking around your house and just your chonies. <laughs> Bro, I have pictures of me. It's like, we're all like, it's like my, my father had like cousins and, and like second cousins in Pennsylvania. Some somewhere in Pennsylvania, and like there's pictures of me like outside, like in this backyard, like on a swing set, fucking nothing but underwear on, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I feel like it just because it's hot, and they had nothing else. They just didn't know what to do with us. Like you can't put a pair of shorts, like underwear. <laughs> it was like, yeah, he was running around in their underwear. <laughs> right, I know. Like they could, maybe they didn't make. Maybe back then there wasn't like a Target everywhere where you could get little kid shorts everywhere. I don't know. It was either other way, or, or I mean, I'm sure you had them. Bro, you cut your pants down, bro. You fucking cut off shorts. But you also remember. I mean, you're my age, so there was that in the '80s. There was the 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 underoos craze. You know, God. All all that was was the the superhero T-shirt, but underwear to match. So you were running around your house. You like loved it. Like you were yeah. so happy to just have that. So yeah, it was definitely a, definitely weird. It's very <laughs> weird. You look back at it. It's very very strange. Yeah, like I don't. There's not one picture of my kids. I think you know, with you know, the pictures of them in like diapers here and there when they're babies. Right. But once they were out of diapers, there's not a picture 
anywhere where they're in underwear. Like, just, oh. I never would have thought to take those pictures. No, me neither at all. Of course, I have a couple yeah. pictures of my daughter, you know, she's like in the bathtub, but you don't see anything, you know, right. and it's, and, you know, a diaper here and there, but there's no underwear pictures, oh, dude. Dude, think about this. When we were kids, like, I mean, I'm sure you, I had, I had pictures where like, I felt like my mom put me in with, put me in a bath with, Four cousins, and you're just fucking just yeah, naked ass kids in a bathroom. There's a whole like, litter of kids, there's a whole litter of kids in the fucking bathtub. Like, what, is, what was happening? I don't know what was happening, but it was cool. You had fun. You throw in some fucking oh, yeah. man dolls. Oh, yeah, you were, yeah. <laughs> and you were good. Take your little G.I. Joe characters. Yeah, you That's were good. It. Yeah. That's it. Spent hours in there just playing with action figures. Right. <laughs> fucking so funny, man. Things are so much different. It's weird. Uh, yo, re- real quick before I forget, let me draw out my sponsors real quick. Yes, are you a coffee guy? You drink coffee? No, my 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 wife drinks coffee. I I've never had coffee. Really? Yeah, I don't drink alcohol. Like, no, I'm not like some weird straight edge dude. I just never did it. But yeah, coffee was never. Uh, maybe maybe that's not such a bad thing then. You know? I, but I was just, I was while my wife was drinking coffee. I'm I've stopped now, but up until forty, I was the dude that would wake up and pop open a can of Mountain Dew to wake up, you know, like you were a soda guy. guy. Yeah. Soda guy all day. Uh, well, dead sled coffee is a sponsor. One of the sponsors of the Brooklyn blast furnace. You can follow them on Instagram at dead sled coffee. If you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you type in the promo code Brooklyn blast, you'll get 15% off your order and anything over 40 bucks is free domestic shipping within the United States. They have everything. Cody, even if you're not a coffee guy, they have tea as well, my man. Oh, we drink tea. We're they, good on the tea, yeah. Yeah, they have, you know, iced tea, the hot teas, they have cold brew coffee. They have, like, the, the, the light blend stuff all the way up to espresso blend. You know, they have whole bean, grinded, you know, all that stuff. But what's dope is they just they, they just um, signed over, uh, what is that shit called? When they do, like, a licensing deal and, like, a collaboration they did uh, a blend with a while back with the guys from Wisdom and Chains. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. They just did one with Kiss. They just did one with Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger. Oh, they no. do like a nightmare blend. It's like it's extra strong shit. Kane Hodder from Friday the Thirteenth, Elvira, and they just did one with fucking Cypress Hill. Oh, dope. Yeah, That's so it's awesome. not so it's not that they're not like a snooty coffee company. Like they're dope. Like they know like punk rock and metal and hip hop and shit. And it's right. run by a couple of people in Jersey and, and Pennsylvania. So oh, nice. come on the pop spot. Yeah, dope. I'll check them out. Yeah, dead sled coffee. Um also, um, they're the last people on the block. They've been around since ninety-two. Generation Records, located at two ten Thompson Street in the West Village here in New York City. Records, bro. Like there's not too many spots left in my fucking right. final, dude. So I'm glad that they're back open. So far, they survived this whole fucking, you know, pandemic shit. Um, go to Generation Re- um, Generation Records on Instagram. But if you want to order something, if you're not obviously in the New York area, if you go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com, you can. There's a whole bunch of shit that they, you know, that they have on there that you can order. But if you're in the area, go to the brick and mortar spot and support them. Um, like I said, they've been around since 92 and they're still open. Thank God. Because even before they were a sponsor, I was going there for years, you know? Um, so 210 Thompson street in the West village. And once again, it's generation records on Instagram. 
And last but not least, New Republic Printing. Screen printing, embroidery, vinyl stickers, and buttons. Um, newrepublicprinting.net is the website. New Republic Printing on Instagram. And what's dope about them is there's whatever you want to get printed, you can get it on any brand shirt you want. You know, they do everything from windbreakers to hoodies to boy shorts to tank tops, everything. Um, there's no screen fees, which is like unheard of. There's no setup fees. And if you have your order delivered to any commercial address, it's free UPS ground shipping. So, so it's crazy. You can get like a thousand shirts ordered and you get 50 boxes delivered to, I don't know, Shamrock Social Club, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't cost you a dime for shipping. New Republic Printing. They've been around for over a decade of like oh, probably about 15 years now. But that's all I've ever used and that's all, uh, that's all I will ever use. Even way before the podcast, I was using them for years. So nice. that's like Call for Generation Records and New Republic Printing. Thanks for being a sponsor. And I just got to mention real quick for my boy, Big DS, Delta Bravo Urban Exploration Team. Um, his whole shit was hacked. Um, so go to Made in Brooklyn USA on Instagram and follow it. And his whole Facebook shit got hacked. There was like 55,000 followers and shit like that on Facebook. But some scumbag with a Kosovo fucking server jacked the shit. So... If you go onto uh, Facebook and type in "Made in Brooklyn," it's a it's a brand. Like, follow the page and go to madeinbrooklynusa.com and cop something. Wanted to give them a little shout because that's fucked up when all your shit gets jacked like that from some unknown yeah. weird server. And he's a great dude. So, yes, one of the yeah, best. we we got together. We were hanging out at the um, rest in peace, Ricky Powell. Um, we uh, we got together. There was like this little memorial thing. You know, just like a couple of hours down at the Arch in Washington Square Park yeah. a few weeks back, just to that's awesome. Kind of remember. Yeah, he came out to I've you know I've gone to Tulsa twice, so he was he was there for I, I for sure one of them. Yeah. So yeah, good yeah, dude. Man. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Fucking Ricky Powell, crazy man. Yeah, you know, like all all these people, man. Yo, rest in peace, fucking Marvin Hagler. What's happening? I know. Crazy. Like, well, we're. We're at that age now that we were, you know, that the people we watched as little kids or when we, you know, like I, I still think of Marvin Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard. Me too. They were when I saw them. Me too. In all honesty, we're like, if we're 40, I remember being a little kid watching them fight. Sure. Yeah, that was 19, that was 87, I think that was. I remember that like it was, remember like, like it was like five years ago, I felt like I watched that. Yeah, yeah. My mom was like a huge Sugar Ray fan back in the day because, you know, like he was, I think she thought he was so cute. <laughs> nice. Marvin Hagler is, is probably besides uh, is my favorite all time middleweight fighter by a long shot is Marvin Hagler. But I have to say it's the hacky thing, but I think Mike Tyson is my favorite always. You know what I mean? Right. My time. Well, we're also again of that, of that era. It's, yeah. it's one of those things. It's like, I, I, you know, when I talk to these, you know, cause where I work, there's, you know, a lot of young 19 year olds come in and it's just crazy. Like the, the, the LeBron and Kobe love where I'm like, dog, like they like, especially LeBron, like, I'm just not a Mark. Like I'd be like, Yo, man, in my era, like he would get tied, like he would just be another dude. Like yeah. but you forget like our era 
So like it's, a, but it must be the same thing when like my parents would talk to me if they, you know, anyone talked about boxing would hype up Muhammad Ali. And then our little asses were like, no, it's all about Mike Tyson. And they're right. like, you know what I mean? So it's, it really, I get it. It goes, but I really think that someone once said like what you were really into at 13, 14 years old, like what, what show will always be like, that will always be your favorite movies will always be your favorite shows. Like, it's true. you know, cause growing up, like, yeah, if I then my top, if I, if I did a list of my top 20 movies, probably 10 of them were going to be from that era when I was growing up. It's the outsiders, the warriors say anything fucking fast times, like all those movies, of course. goonies, but it was cause that's the era that they say is like when you're third, you know, 12 to like 16, that's kind of what's shaping you and what you find on your own. Like the same thing with Molly crew, like you yeah. find it on your own and you're like, Yes, you don't know, you graduated from Disney movies with your parents and now you're on your, you know, you're going yeah. with homies, you know. Yeah. And all those coming of age movies like The Outsiders, Stand yeah. By Me, The Goonies, all that shit. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, and I saw Stand By Me because that that was set the day before they started middle, you know, it was called junior high when I was a kid. So the me day too. before they started junior high. And I saw that the day before I started junior high. Me and my step me and my stepbrother saw it. And so that meant that movie means like crazy so much to me because it was like the exact, like we were living their moment just in a different, you know, they were in the, obviously in the fifties and we were yeah. in the eighties, but it was still like crazy. Like, so yeah, yeah like that movie is always going to be in my top movies, but it's of more course. nostalgic. Like, like if I showed it to my daughter right now, she'd be like, this movie's boring. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. My, 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 you know what? I'm, 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 I am happy though that, I mean, this was even before, Danny did the Outsiders House Museum. Like when my daughter, this was like maybe 2011, 2012. My daughter's like three years old. Like I grew up watching The Outsiders. It was always one of my favorite movies. So I would sit down and I would watch it with her. And she still to this day, she's like, you feel like watching The Outsiders? Fuck yeah, let's put it on. You that's know, dope. so yeah, yeah that, that's dope. Something she's like, nah, I'm not having it. You know, like right. she was at the stand by me because she gets it because she's a kid and stuff like that. But there's certain things she's not having, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but yeah, man, it's like a lot of things like, and we mentioned Danny, like this whole Delta Bravo thing. It was, it was very weird. Well, I don't know if it's weird. It's just the way, the way things happen sometimes just kind of boggles my mind. It's like, you know, it's like, I remember when MapQuest was a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and, and I remember... When it was first a thing and you had your dial up fucking internet and I went onto MapQuest and I found on some weird website, I don't even know where, again, throw like nostalgia and my age, where I grew up on like a lot of those 80s slasher movies, like all the Friday the 13th right. and stuff like that. So I always wanted to know, hmm, like where is Crystal Lake? You know, like where did they film the original Friday the 13th? And I look it up and I see MapQuest and I print out this thing and I didn't even have a car yet, you know? And it was like, it was like Blairstown, New Jersey. It's like an hour and 47 minutes away. I'm like, oh, I would love to go there and maybe take pictures of this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I always had that kind of thing. And then fast forward, it's like, next thing you know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm in Philly bullshitting with Danny boy, but nothing even about music or house of pain or anything like that. It's like, like in 1992, if you, when Jump Around was the only thing that was on fucking radio, if you told me that in 2016 or 17 that I would be talking with Danny Boy 
about the outsider's house and going to like nostalgic places that you're into and taking photos of, like, I just found it very weird because I was completely into all of these things. And for it to be somebody like Danny boy, that's doing these things. I don't know. It was, I just right. found it very, you know what I'm saying? Like how oh, things just came together in just a weird way like that. And he's one of my favorite people, man. I speak to him all the time. Like when I was, um, when I was at the last time I was in Tulsa, we, there was a table and it was like Danny and me and Nako, but like S.C. Hinton was sitting right there. C. Thomas oh, Howe was sitting right there. Ralph Macchio was there. And it was like, I was having this moment, you know, I'm like I'm talking to, you know, Danny's one of my best friends. Nako's one of my great friends and I'm like bullshitting. And then it was this weird moment where I like sat back yeah, and I dude. was like, if my 15 year old self, came up to me and I, or I went back in time like, Hey dude, when you're all this age, you're going to sit at a table with the dude from house of pain, T Thomas, Howell, Ralph Macchio and the one who wrote it. You're sitting there with like, Johnny Pony yeah. boy, Danny boy. I see him yeah. <laughs> outside the outside his house. Like, yeah. Like, you have to, it, I, it, yeah. I try to do it, that often where I'll step back from whatever weird, holy shit situation I'm in and shut the fuck up for a minute and take it in and acknowledge that this is some crazy shit. Right. Yeah. Like even when I was on tour of nonfiction, like when we were on the high road tour, like souls of mischief, like their first record was one of my all time favorite records. Yeah. And they became really good friends of all of, you know, like we're on this tour together. So like I was hanging out and there was, there was like times where I had like, you know, like 20 shows in a row and I'm listening to play 92 till infinity. And like, there's a moment where it's like, I was like, I had to sit back and I was like, dude, if, if I was in high school, I would like pinch my, like the fact that I'm watching them perform this every single night for this whole summer. And I can call them my friends. And like, we have dinners together and we fucking bullshit together. I would have never believed it in right. my whole entire, you know? And so I, I'm definitely a big believer in like, sometimes when you're in that moment, you do have to like, you have to sit back a little bit and be like, Oh shit. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm here, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching this happen. Like even when like House of Pain got back together and they did that tour, I brought one of my best friends for his birthday when they were playing. And to me, I was like, you know, that moment I was like, I can hang out with Danny almost every day. Like I was yeah. seeing him every day. And then, you know, like and I was, you know, close with Lethal and, you know, getting closer with Everlast. And but my buddy wasn't around like that. So to him, when he was like, when we we're on the side of the stage, he was like, This is the most amazing thing ever. And I had to like step myself back because I was like, to me, I was like, I'm just watching my friends do their job. Right. But in all honesty, I'm watching one of the biggest groups from the nineties that I, that I was a huge fan of do what I would have never, like, you know what I mean? Like, of so, course. So, Fuck you know, yeah, sometimes man. it takes someone else to be like, yo, can you believe you're, you're, you know, like even at Shamrock, like we do a lot of, there's a lot, you know, like a lot of celebrities come in and sometimes like you, you forget, like you, especially ones that come in a lot, like you become more friendly with them. And then there comes a point where you kind of sometimes sit back and be like, damn, like, yo, I'm like, I know this dude. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, you know, you're driving down the street and like, you know, one day I was driving and David Beckham pulls up and he's honking and I'm like, didn't know who it was. And he's like, rolling down his window and he's fucking waving to me. And I'm like, Oh shit. You know? And like, I was, I'll be honest with you. I never liked growing up like God, like, sorry, but I was never a fan of the Smiths. I was never a fan of Depeche Mode. Never a fan of any yeah. of those but Johnny Marr gets tattooed by Mark and he's one of the fucking greatest dudes of all time. Right. And so like he, 
like he played a show and I went and I, but I brought one of my friends who was a huge fan. And like, it was one of those things that's like, I'm like, Oh, I get it now. Like I, yeah. I get it. So it's like, you know, like you just really sometimes really need to like step. And I'm sure you do it. Like sometimes you're probably interviewing someone that you used to be, you grew up being a fan of and it comes yeah. apart. Like, oh, I, 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 I do, I do it all the time. time. I do it. I do it a lot, dude. And, and that's, that's like one of the selfish reasons why I do it is it gives me the opportunity for some weird reason to speak with people. I never thought that I would, have, you know, there's people that I know that I've had on here that I would see them at a show here and there. Yo, what's up? A quick pound. Yo, you guys were great. And then keep it moving. But then I've had like, even some people that might not think are like these other people, you know, like these big people, people like from like my childhood, like, there's this a thrash band called Violence from, from the Bay Area. You know, I grew up listening to that band. They were one of my favorite thrash bands ever. I hit up the singer, Sean Killian, and I didn't think he was going to even respond. He was like, fuck yeah, dude, I'll do it. You know, so I'm sitting here and in my head, <laughs> I'm like, this is fucking insane for me. You know what I mean? Like, that moment, like if you would have told me when you were 14 or 15 that this guy would be as cool as shit and be thanking me for having him on, like, like that's the, to me because I appreciate that shit and I'm a fan. You know what I mean? Right. So I yeah. appreciate, you know, I don't take any of this for granted. And, you know, like you said, you know, like you, you take a step back and it's funny because, you know, like I'll be bullshitting with like with Danny. And like Danny at this point to me, he's not like, he's not Danny from house of pain. He's, he's just Danny boy. You know what I mean? He's right. you no, know, there's no connection. Of course there's the house of pain thing. It's always, you know, of course, but yeah, it's always there. <laughs> it's always there, but he's not Danny boy from house of pain. He's just Danny, a good dude. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, shit like that. It's, you know, and it's, it's, I appreciate all of this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I think that's a, a thing where, like I was saying before, like, well, I'll, I'll step back and or, or I'll be talking with somebody and they'll be saying, I'll be paying attention to them. But in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm really soaking this in and taking in the moment because, you know, as we get older, it sounds like I'm an old man. But, you know, you, you say it sometimes, too, I'm sure it's like, oh, remember back then, like those were like the greatest times that you've had, but at the time you didn't realize it because you didn't stop and take a moment to ground yourself and what you were doing and who you were with or whatever. So I try to do that as much as I can now, because as you get older, man, time fucking flies. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't hold fucking resentments with people. I don't hold grudges with people. I'm not petty like that. You know, I'm 45. I got a kid. High school was a long time ago. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, listen, if you might have a problem with me, sorry, I don't know what to tell you, but I got no issues with nobody. You know, I, I try yeah. to live a nice fucking, you know, an easy yeah. fucking chill life, man. Dude, I the other day, myself, me and... Yeah, I'm sorry. God. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. You no, I was just say, I put myself <laughs> through so much bullshit on my own. You know, there's right. a lot of shit that happened. You know, uh, you know, just life circumstances where it's like at this point, it's like, I just want to chill. I want to chill, drink my fucking iced tea or my coffee and bullshit, you know? Yeah. I don't take very much too serious. 
you know? I got a job with my daughter. Yeah. yeah, that's all you need. That's it. You know, yeah, like the other day I was, I, me and my group of like high school friends, few of them I haven't seen, like two of them moved away or three of them moved away after like 93, 94. And we ended up having a group of 16 of us on a Zoom thing for eight hours. And all we did was just talk shit, but it was like, we're, you know, like we're all adults now, but it was, we brought, we're all 15 on that call. Like it was, and so after awesome. a while I was like, I was like, Jesus Christ, we've been on for fucking eight hours. And some people dropped off obviously, but there was uh, yeah. a group that was there for the whole eight hours. And yeah. I was like, Holy fuck. Like, and it went so quick, but it's like, again, while we were doing that, like no one had their phones out taking pictures. No one's reading internet no. stuff. We were just, we were just there, you know? And yeah. Like, and it, it's, it is one of those things. Like I see kids nowadays, even like, you know, my son's age at 19, like him and his friends would get together and they sit in the room and you go in the room and one of them will be playing on the computer and then the other four will be on their phones Yeah. and they'll kind of talk to each other, but they're not really, you know what I mean? Not it's really. so weird. Yeah. It's very weird. It's very weird. It's, I mean, I, I chalk it up because, you know, I can complain about it, but what are you going to do? It is what it is, you know? Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, I like yeah, I had a similar situation probably about two months ago. I have um, I created a group on Facebook. It's called People Who Served at Cannon Air Force Base, New Mexico, because I was in the service. So there's a whole bunch of people, a lot of people that I don't know from years and years and years of people that were at this particular Air Force Base. But I was only there for like 11 months. But there was a whole shitload of guys that I'm still friends with, that I still talk to all the time. And I left there in 97. So, but we still have this very strong, you know, communication with each other. And we did the same thing, like this Zoom thing. There was like 10 of us on there, on there for hours, dude. Yeah. It's you know, fun. <laughs> it's just fucking fun. Like, oh shit, remember this? Remember this guy? That guy was a jerk off. This guy was an asshole. Remember when you did this, that, the other thing? It was great, dude, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's the one thing I will say, like, and I, I love, like, like, I, I knowing that my, daughter because like, i look now that both my parents you know my mom died when i was 24 so there wasn't a ton but when my dad died i found a shit ton of pictures of my mom that i never knew existed wow. and it was like opening a treasure thing and looking at all these pictures that my dad had and all these and i'm kind of sad that you know god forbid when i do when i die like there's you know i do have a, a bin of pictures from my old school thing but the one weird thing the good thing is that what i wish my parents had was that's the one thing I do love about social media is like yeah. my daughter, when, when she's married with kids and I'm long gone or whatever, she can, she'll be able to have these pictures still, which is good. But on the other hand, it's like, takes it, it takes, even though it brings everyone closer, like, you know, like people like you, like you're my friend, but you live on the other side of the thing. Whereas right. there was no social media. We never, you know, you wouldn't even know each other. Right. But when it comes to that, also, I think it takes away from people like, check in because you kind of look at your phone. You're like, Oh, I see what he's doing. He's doing all right today. And you don't need to. So it's like, right. there's that weird balance of like, it is, you know, and I fall victim to it, like the kids and work and especially with the we pandemic. All, we all do. We're all yeah. guilty of it. We're all guilty yeah. of it. Yep. Yeah, man. It's like, Oh, forget it. My daughter gets mad at me because she's 11 now. So she's oh, like yeah. dad with the pictures. I have <laughs> thousands of pictures of her, dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Like thousands. And like my mother, my mother, shit, it's going to be in August, it's going to be 10 years that my mother passed away. And it's, it's, it's messed up because, you know, I have a couple of videos when my daughter was maybe a year and a half old with my mother. 
she doesn't remember. It sucks because yeah. she doesn't remember her in real life. You know, right. she, she never heard her. her video. She never heard her complete her first sentence. A couple of words here and there, but that's it. You know, so I'm glad that I do have that video of them together, and there's some pictures. But like, I don't have very many pictures of my mother. You know, right. I have maybe like yeah. a dozen pictures, maybe. You know, it sucks, right. but that was also the generation where, you know, I don't know. So, yeah, and like the end. And you're the same age as me. So and there was that year with, you know, from like fucking 14 to 17, like you didn't carry a camera with you unless you want, bought one of those disposal ones for parties. So it's like all these memories like stay with you. And that like, it's like, that's the one thing I'll say is like our kids, when they're our age are going to have so many pictures to, for their throwback Thursdays or flashback to choose from. Whereas we're like the same, you know, like, it's like, I got a, maybe 50 pictures of me in that era. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's hilarious, dude. Yeah. Yeah, whatever, whatever their version of their throwback Thursday right, is exactly. be in fucking twenty years. God only whatever knows. the next thing is, yeah, exactly. Oh, just press a button on your head, and something's gonna happen in your eyes, and you're gonna see shit. I don't know. <laughs> God only knows. It's like some. Uh, you ever watch uh, Black Mirror? Ah, uh, dude, I, I I watched a couple episodes, and it was just so trippy. Like, <sighs> I could, I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, there's one, there's, there's, if there's any episode that I ever recommend, it's called The Entire History of You is the name of the episode. Okay. And you watch it and it's like, it seems far-fetched, but if you really watch it, it's like, dude, we're like fucking 10 years away from that. It's scary, bro. Really? Yeah. yeah. So that's my it's recommendation. Crazy. I never recommend okay. anything, but for some weird reason... That's just part of my, it's called the entire history of you. It's I will check it out. Fucking batshit crazy. Yeah. So what else is going on? How, how did you, I'm not going to hold you hostage for too much longer, dude. We're good. We're good. But We're um, good. How, how did you get involved in, into uh, uh, the this, this Shamrock Social Club? So when I, so kind of started when I was, um, it was actually funny. Like I was 19 and I was hanging out with this, um, my buddy Travis and he had a group that I became like kind of their close friends with like this dude, Nino. I don't know if you know who Chris Clancy is. He's, he now manages all of odd future and Tyler, the creator and all that. Like he started, like he did all that shit, but he was in that group and we were, there was like 15 of us and it was St. Patrick's day. And they were like, let's go get tattooed. And I had never really thought about getting tattooed before. Okay. And I was like, all right. They're like, we know this guy, Mark Mone, he's the best. So we go and this, Mark was at a shop called Tattoo Mania at the time. So Mark's tattooing all of them. And I'm the only one that Mark never met before. So when it get, you know, you could, it was getting pretty late, you know, like tattoos, you know, as you know, they're not fucking five minutes, even though everyone wants to think they are, you know. Yeah. And they're um, annoying and, and right. they're expensive so, and they're fucking, yeah. yeah. They hurt. <laughs> so they, they, they take time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And Mark was like, hey, I won't have time to do you. How about you go to my, he was, uh, that time Frank Ball was working right next to him. So Frank Ball did my first tattoo. But I was really fascinated by like, just Mark's energy. Like just, like fucking one of those dudes, like just the coolest dude. So um, the next year when I decided to get my second tattoo, I went specifically made an appointment around St. Patrick's Day, but got it with Mark. And then, I would like once or twice a year, I'd go always get tattooed by Mark like once a year. And then, um, like I remember when my mom died, he like 
he basically had tears. He just made me feel comfortable. And he was, and then he went to, you know, he opened up his own shop at Shamrock and I had gone there to get tattooed a couple of times. And then I left Warner brothers and, you know, I had enough, you know, I had enough saved to survive for a couple, you know, a couple of years and did the tour with Bill and, you know, with Vinny and then got back and realized I'm like, well, shit, if I'm not going to fucking, I don't know if I'm going to tour forever. Like, I don't know if I want to be like my dad and be, you know, be an old world, you know, crusty dog, like back yeah, like those guys. Yeah, man. And I knew Mark kind of knew everybody and he knew that I had good work ethic and he knew what I, you know, I'd always talk to him about my job. So I just kind of went in there one day and I was like, Hey, like I'm looking for a job. So if you know anyone hiring Mark, like just will you let me know, keep me informed. Like, and Mark's like, well, actually one of my guys is, you know, leaving for the summer. Do you want to work here? And I was like, well, I don't want to fucking tattoo. I, I can't draw. And he goes, no, I actually don't want someone. Who, I want someone to kind of like, you know, be the shop helper and manage the shop. And I was fucking 16, 17 years ago. Like it just was what it was. Like I fucking, I said, okay. And he goes, so I started the guy, you know, I'd go in there twice a week to train with this guy, big Island, Mike, um, he's now a tattoo artist that works with us, but also lived in Hawaii. And he's a, like a rad BMX dude. And then, yeah. And then I just, you know, kind of just started working there. And then, and Mark liked it. Cause I was like, I wasn't the typical, like, you know, I didn't want to tattoo. So I wasn't planning on, you know, he wasn't going to just have me for a year or two. Like, I don't think he thought I would be there for 16 years. I don't think I thought I'd be there for 16 right. years. You said this um, shit though. It's a good gig. No, yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, it is. It's, it, you know, every day's different. Um, you're uh, dealing with people. Mark's like, you know, Mark's one of the coolest people ever. You know, the, the, the clients that come in are fucking, you know, some are cool. Some aren't, but most are, most are really cool. The artists that we've had coming through there, you know, some are dope, some are not, you know, like, you know, yeah. it's all personality wise, but some you get along with great, you know, I've made lifelong friends with some and, and, uh, man, it's just, yeah, like every day is different. Like, yeah, there's not many, you know, the, you know, not many jobs where you can go, go in a car with Mark and do a house call at fucking Johnny Depp's house. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's definitely, you know, like you're freaking sitting at the Johnny's house eating chicken wings. Cause he ordered us hot wings cafe while he's getting tattooed is definitely not something everyone does. So yeah. again, like talking, going back to that, like it's definitely one of those things where you sit back. Like, I mean, I remember once I was at, you know, me and I was at my day off and my phone's on the nightstand and my, my mother-in-law's there and my phone's ringing. And uh, I was like, Oh, can you just tell me who it is? in case I forget it. And she kind of comes in the room and looks at me all strange. And she goes, it's Bruce Willis calling you. And I was like, Oh shit. So I grab it. And he, he was like, Oh, I thought I was calling the shop. I just want to get in with Mark and, you know, make an appointment, blah, blah. So it's like things like that make it kind of where it's like, you really realize you're like, yeah, that doesn't happen to most people. So it's no, cool. it really doesn't. <laughs> Why? Like, like how am I sitting in Johnny Depp's house eating fucking chicken wings right now while he's getting tattooed? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It's you know, like moments again. Like you sit back and and you really realize, like, wow, like you're like, you know, kind of like just in a weird way, just like you kind of you stepped in the pile of you know the good pile of shit. Like you're yeah. like, oh shit, like because it's like nothing's planned. Like I wasn't, I didn't grow up being like, oh, I'm gonna work at our brothers out tour for a couple of years and I'm gonna run a tattoo shop and I'm gonna do this and do that. Like it just, just kind of all like you know like yeah i'm falling i'm falling down the steps and hitting all the good steps i guess <laughs> yeah that's fucking great dude yeah, yeah fucking john mcclain fucking calling you yeah you know and then the good thing is like you know and then cave started tattooing and because i worked at shamrock he was able to come in and he sat in at shamrock a couple of times he tattooed me and 
you know, we gave Mark a, a John Gotti painting that still, he still hangs up in Shamrock. So it's like, you know, and Danny's been tattooed and Everlast, but, you know, so all those people, you know, Slane's been tattooed there. So it's like bringing my kind of world into their world, you know, it's like, and, and yeah. Mark's known Danny even before me, because, you know, they did, they filmed the House of Pain video at the old Tattoo Mania. So it's like, it's just, it's a weird, when it's, the world's huge, but in all honesty, you really find out how small it actually is. Like yeah, man. how, like almost everyone you meet, like some, you know, be like, Oh shit, I know that dude too. Like it's so it's crazy. Very when, fuck, the universe, it sounds weird, but the universe works in very weird ways sometimes. Yeah. Very, yeah. It, 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 I think about shit like that all the time. And like, then even like through, like through Vinny, like because of Vinny, I met, you know, Gavin, and Pablo, and then those are like some of my best friends. And then through, but through them, I met like other gimmick gangers like Ryan and Carl, and those are like dudes I talk to all the time. And like you know, through Danny, you meet like Mako and Mona, and those are like some Same of my here. favorite people. Yeah. And Jimmy and Jimmy Cash, and he's like fucking one of the greatest people. And fucking you know, Tom and like just everybody. Like yeah. Um. So it's just one of those things. It's like it. You you know you if as long as you're just like if you're cool and you're like that my thing was always like dude you play your position like i was i mean i remember when the coca was starting and everyone was kind of hanging out like there was a, a shit ton of people like, hanging out in the studio and and i'll never forget like they were like you know the, the beat was playing and everyone else was kind of sitting there working around and he looked around and he noticed dudes that weren't the main guys rapping to themselves or writing the shit down and i think he was like he like flipped he was like yo man you're not fucking up recording this record everyone out like basically wanted everyone he wanted fucking bill slain and fucking i think lefty might have been there and and danny and, and that's it lethal like everyone else all these hanger honors so i fucking start standing up and he i remember like danny when lethal and everyone was like no no you're you're cool because i never try like i'm not trying to be like hey do you need me on gang vocals like Right. I'm, I'm like, I sit on the couch and I shut the fuck up yeah. and I watch them do what they're doing. If I decide I'm going to go 7-Eleven, ask everyone if they need something, you yeah. know? And <laughs> if not, like, like I'm just there to like, to me, I'm like, I'm hanging out with my friends at their job. Yeah, I'm like, just hanging out with my friends. That's know? it. Right. And I, I tell people all the time, same with the tattoo shop, like, yo, dude, just fucking, if you play your position, play the role that you're supposed to play. Yeah, it it fucking works out. But if you try to do too much, you try to be the man. You try to take over. It's not gonna. It's not a good look. Like no. you know, it's you, so. people get sniffed out. It's like it's corny. It's like what are you doing? Right. Well, it's like you know, it's like it's like if you were just or people that use people. Like if you're using, you know, if you're becoming friends with you to just meet fucking Ricky Rackman or meet Danny Boy or meet fucking you know fucking Wisdom and Chains dudes. People get <laughs> yeah, that shit out weird. quick. You know what I mean? Like people are like. Oh yeah. You know, so, but if you're just like, yo, that's my boy, you meet them anyway. So I just don't understand yeah, that. The, it's the, very the fucking strange behavior. Strange. Like, yeah. 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 And it, to me, it's like, like my favorite people that I met from Danny would be the, what we would consider like me, like the normal people, like, yeah. like the, like the, you, the Jimmy cash, the Nako, the Mona, like, right. You know, and I, and I love all the other people that I've met from sure. that are like, what you would consider like celeb or someone, but you know, the people you take with you yeah. are 
those other people, you know? Yeah, it's the same here. It's like this whole, the whole Delta Bravo thing. Yes, obviously, right. you know, I, met, I met Danny, but then like from Danny, it spawned like, like you said, like not even like the quote unquote famous people, like Nako, I speak to Nako all the time. You know what I mean? Right. I speak to fucking Mona all the time. They're fucking great guys. You know, whenever just, Mona comes to California, he always, no matter what, always stops in Shamrock to see me, Freddie, and Mark. Like he just, it's, a, it's, he, it's class a pilgrimage for him. <laughs> yeah, class act. Yeah, fucking Mona rules. <laughs> I had him on a while back. It was hilarious because yeah. I had like my boy Tommy Rebel, who you probably he was in he was in a the Mind Your Business video. You know, he's okay. friends with Danny and he throws Bill and all them. So he was like this crazy graffiti writer who used to have this battle. It was him versus Mona because Mona well, was yeah. Yeah. it was crazy. But then it's like I had Tommy on and like the next episode I sat down with Mona. I'm like, yeah, I had a guy on last week that you probably chased around the tunnels in the subway. He's like, oh, we have. I was like, oh, Tommy Rebel. He's like, oh, I like Tommy. Tommy's a good guy. Yeah. And they would tell me stories and shit, how Tommy would like like send them Christmas cards, like, ah, maybe next year you'll catch me and shit. This whole thing. But he's the graffiti writer. He was the fucking Vandal Squad guy. But they both respected. It It was kind of like Heat, you know? It was kind of like De Niro and Pacino. It's like, you do your thing well, you do your thing well. If we cross paths, someone's going down. But until then, you know, have at it, you know? It was like how Mona became so close with Caves, you know? He was so close with Caves because he spent you know, he's working like chasing caves around. <laughs> yes, I know. It's fucking so funny. Yeah. The last time I, I sat down with Mona, we went to the Firefly. So it was oh, me and my girl, my daughter and Mona. And we all sat there at the Firefly. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So good people, man. I met a lot of good people through Danny. I mean, it all spawned from like Danny for the most part, you know? Right. Yeah. Just all these normal other people that I speak to constantly. Yeah, I, I my my wife's never been to New York. Neither is my daughter, obviously, and they've been like that's one of the dream spots they want to go. And I mean, dude, I haven't been. I mean, last time I was there, I think it was when I did the bill the bill tour. Um, Yo, yeah, when this shit opens tour. up, man, you gotta come. Yeah, we'll all go. That was the funnest though. When when we did the non-fish tour, um, they had to go to Prague, but they couldn't take me because it was too expensive to take a merch guy to Prague. Yeah, of course, they had their own dude. Yeah. So I just stayed at Eclipse's place on Queens. So I just ended up fucking running around with Isaac for fucking like three days. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 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 That must have been a fucking <laughs> good times. Yeah. Of course. Good times. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, man. Fucking good shit. Fuck. Anything else, Dan? Fucking Cody Mac. Yeah, uh, sir. Oh man. Good shit, brother. Well, listen. Oh, I, I do. I absolutely have to give you props because I see it all the time on your social media. It's fucking awesome to see a father dedicated to their daughter. I think oh, it's fucking you. amazing. Um, I'm a I'm I'm a father and I have a little girl, so I see that and she's my fucking world and I get it and that's awesome. I know you have Thank a tattoo you. of her because she's a little yeah. your tiny dancer. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think it's beautiful. I fucking love it and. Nothing but respect for that, dude. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I try. She's at well, the you, point now where I'm I'm really annoying to her. So like, I'm I'm, I'm not annoying to my daughter. My daughter, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm annoying. I'm not funny anymore. 
I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just dead, whatever. She rolls her eyes. She tells me I'm oh. annoying. She tells me I'm old, you know? Yeah. Oh, God. If I say anything, I'm like, oh, that's not even that good. She's like, you're just old. You don't, just don't know. And I'm like, dude, my Jesus. daughter's the same way. You're yeah. old. You don't know anything. Yeah. I don't know nothing. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. No, I know. I know. That's right. I know nothing. Yeah, and I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you, you know, you can own that one. I'll, I'll let you think that you own that one, you know? Yeah, like, like I think a year or two ago, I remember the first time, like, I was, like, getting, she was going to bed, and I was getting up to walk her, she just stopped me, and she's like, you don't have to walk me to bed. And I was like, wait, what? And she was yeah, like, what? I got it. And yeah. I was like, but uh, what if I want to? And she's like, no, it's fine. And I no. was like, I'm still going to do it anyway, because I'm, I'm in charge. You're not. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now she's, she wants no part of it. Like, remember, no like, you know, I would, I would reach in and I would put the water on and for the tub or the shower or yeah. whatever. And that's like, that. I got this. Oh like, yeah. Oh. Like, I'm like, Oh man. Like yeah. I want to still do that shit more. You yeah. know, I can't do it. Not so, having it. No, yeah, she's not having none of it. No. Like even at night, like, like, if she's like in a room, I'll go in there and like I'll lay in her bed while she's on her chair, like on her iPad or doing or writing or whatever reading. First thing she says, she just looks dead at me. She goes, What are you doing in here? And I was like, Damn, I'm just came to hang out and spend some time with you. And she's like, All right, cool, you did. You kick ass. Yeah, she sounds just like my kid. Exactly. Exactly. All right. And and then she'll you know yeah. she'll, like she'll look at me, she'll be like, like, like basically, what are you doing here? And she'll look at me, she'll go, You good? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm good like are you good like what who are you right now why are you 11 why do you act like you're 24 oh yeah these kids yeah they, they think they're older you know oh my god they'll learn they'll learn they'll learn, they'll learn the point, they're, they're gonna they're gonna come back real quick and be like oh can you come hang out with me <laughs> yeah real fucking quick that's awesome yeah. dude that's great dude well, dude, thank you so much for your time, brother. This sure. was fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, good time. It's... I don't want to fuck it up. TPM underscore tour stories. Yeah. Follow it on Instagram. And what, what's your Instagram handle if you want people to follow you, if you want? I don't know. Uh, yeah, Cody Mac 32 Cody Mac 32 uh, What is it? Shamrock Social Club? Shamrock Social Club is the yeah, I'm never on there because I don't tattoo. So I'm, but right. yeah, if you want to follow the tattoo shop, that's awesome. Like yeah, yeah, there's if, if you're in LA and you want to get incredible tattoo, fucking artwork there. Yeah. 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 If you're in LA and you want to come through and say what's up, more than welcome. We're we're open every day. Thank God. <laughs> I, I need to I need to schedule I need to schedule myself a nice road trip because I kicked myself in the ass and it's sad to say that I have not been at the Outsiders House Museum yet. Oh wow! You got to get out there. Man. I know. I have a brick there. I bought a brick. You know, there's a brick. You know, thing. Right. You know, stuff like that. I I buy every fucking thing that he puts up, and I support everything. But I really need to get out there. And I know it's not that far from Cali, but I'll make it like a whole big fucking trip. And I need to go out. It's, to Cali. it's it's really cool when you go out there because it's like, it's not just the house. Like it's the movie theater, the drive-in. The, I know. You know, yeah. it's not like. There's so many things to see if you're into that into that movie, and then, like in all honesty, like Danny's like the mayor of like I mean I know they have a real mayor, but he might as well be like they gave him the key to the city, didn't he? Didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, they gave him the key to the city and shit. He does great things, man. Nothing but respect to that dude. 
Yeah. But yeah, that's, that, that's definitely a, um, I, I'll tell everyone that that's a must see. Anytime someone's like, well, you know, when bands were on tour, I would always write to them and I'd be like, Hey dude, you got to fucking go by there. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I got to make it out. All right. Well, I got to get going too. I got to go pick up my daughter from dance. Go pick up little Maddie. Go do your thing. All right. My man, my we're over here now. Awesome. Over here now, always. <laughs> All right. Later, my All man. Right, Later.